Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie I'm Biancuso. Marie I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. Thank you for joining me. We have a really great show coming up today. I have with me today my special guest, Ann Davis. Ann is a pharmacist and also an IBCLC. Ann has been in the field for more than 20 years, probably more years than what I should tell you, because she still looks like she's 24, but she's not. And I'm hoping that maybe you can uh, stay with us today while we answer questions that I frequently get. And that's related to medications and how they affect breastfeeding mothers and their babies. So, and very often I hear, often in the media, but sometimes even from experts who warn, oh, breastfeeding mothers shouldn't take such and such a medication because it passes through the milk. Now, in reality, I assume that most drugs pass through the mother's milk. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's harmful to the breastfeeding baby. The, the, the breast is not a sieve. Can you help us to understand why, even though a drug actually does pass through the milk, that that isn't necessarily harmful to the baby? And could you maybe start out a little bit just by talking with uh, absorption and then we'll move on to some of the other things you've explained to me over the years? Sure. Yes, I often hear that same thing. Everyone says, yes, it goes into the breast milk. The question is, how does it really get there? And there's a lot of ways that it has to get there by how it gets through from the mother. So when a mother takes a medication, there's a number of ways she can do that. She can swallow it down through her mouth. It could be a topical medication. It could be a nasal spray. It could be an injection. There's patches. You could get an IV. There's rectal. All sorts of different routes of administration. So by, and, uh, in, excuse me, by topical, you mean something we'd put on our skin? Correct. Something yes. you might rub in, a cream or an ointment. Yes. 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 Mm-hmm. So all those different ways of getting a drug into your body will abs- affect the absorption and how it even gets into the bloodstream that would even pass to the breast milk. So you have to consider all those sources of the route of administration before you can even talk about absorption. Mm-hmm. So if I swallow it down, how might that affect, would, would, like, would, would that be better or worse than something else in many cases? In many cases, it, it might be worse, but in, you, know, you kind of have to look at the individual drug because then we have to look at what happens to it once it's swallowed down. You know, sure. Is it absorbed you know, and what the half-life of the drug is, the rate of the absorption from your body? Um, there's all sorts of specifics about that drug itself that you would want to consider. So, Ian, such as, go ahead. Excuse me. So, could I presume then that if the mother does not absorb the drug well, then the rest of those factors are not going to be as important? Exactly. If, if it's not getting into her bloodstream, if it's not a drug that's intended to go throughout her whole circulatory system and be well absorbed, then you're going to expect it's not going to get into her breast milk well. 
So let's say that she does absorb it. Then kind of what's next in the, the queue, if you will? If the train is on the track, what happens next? Well, again, we talk about the rate, how quickly that happens, you know, and, and gets into the bloodstream. We'd also want to look at the distribution. And when I mean distribution, that's so once it gets into the bloodstream, how does it get into the tissue? So then you get real specific about the drug. Is it lipophilic? In other words, does it dissolve well in, in fat? And then if it does, well, that drug probably is going to get into the breast milk pretty easily because, as we know, breast milk has a good amount of fat in it as the baby needs that. So you look at the distribution. Another thing you might want to look at is the molecular weight of the drug, uh, yes. getting very specific, protein binding. So, you, you know, if, if the drug has a small molecular weight, it's going to slip into that breast milk pretty easily. If it's uh, low protein binding as well, um, it's going to get into the breast milk. We could talk about ionization, which I think is above and beyond probably this conversation that we want to have. <laughs> you know why I knew you were going to shy away from that one, Anne, is because we've had that conversation so many times, and I never can really truly understand that whole bit. It's but a complex piece. It is. Sure. And, and you've always done a remarkable job of being patient to try to help me understand it. But uh, talk for a minute about, or excuse me if I jump the gun, but I'm thinking about, for instance, uh, metabolism and half-life. That's something that people frequently get confused about. And how does that relate to all of the uh, what does it do to the baby question? And that's a good question because that's kind of the last stop on your train you're talking here. Yes. So the drug has to be metabolized. In other words, what does metabolism mean? Well, that's how the drug is broken down into your body and, and, and going to be used and then excreted, whether it's going to go through the liver, whether it's going to go through the kidneys, how that drug gets out of your, your system, as well as what happens in metal, metabolism. Sometimes drugs are changed into other drugs or other substances, which are called metabolites. So you have to look at those also and say, well, this drug might be fine just as it is, but once it is converted to metabolite, you have to look at that as well. And then finally, you know, the excretion and then how quickly it gets out, and that's what you're uh, talking about when you refer to the half-life, right? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So every drug has a half-life, mm-hmm. and it's kind of an odd term, but it's a long-accepted in the drug world term is half-life of a drug. And the kind of commonly accepted rule for a half-life of a drug is that it takes five half-lives for a drug to be completely excreted or completely removed from your body. So let's take, for example, a drug with a short half-life, something like five hours. So we're going to say, well, it takes five of those half-lives, so you're going to have to have 20, it would take 25 hours for that drug to get out of your body. So that's not a bad drug, you know, in, out pretty quickly. But the other side of that coin is what about a drug with a really long half-life, say something like Prozac that has a commonly known drug. It has an extremely long half-life. It has days and days and days. So, for example, if it were five days, it would be 25 days for the whole drug to be out of your body. So those are big considerations when you're taking a drug. You really want to choose something, if you have a choice, with a short half-life. That that seems to make a lot of sense because what we're really saying here is it's not just, oh, you can't have the treatment for some ailment, but rather what kind of a drug might do the same job, but perhaps, and I'm thinking here, of course, of the Prozac, there would be another drug that might have a similar action. I'm sure there's plenty of drugs that have a similar action, but perhaps a shorter half-life, and that would be preferable for the breastfeeding mother. 
That's an excellent yes choice because you would want to look at that and you might have 10 drugs in, say, the antidepressant class, and you'd say, which one is the best? Because, as you know, if a mom's on an antidepressant and needs to be in a, on an antidepressant, the answer is not, well, you can't take it. Right, right. Absolutely. We need to find the best choice, choice for her and the baby for long term. Now, speaking of long half-lives, Anne, I have to tell you... Uh, one of my really bad habits in this world is caffeine. Even today, I was thinking, oh, I got, I got this show to do, and I'm still like a kind of, I really need a little pick-me-up. Where's my coffee cup? But I know that caffeine has a fairly long half-life. Can, can you address that? I can, but first I'm going to have to get you on my bandwagon of no caffeine. You know, I don't do any caffeine in my life. <laughs> and you lost that battle with me a long time ago. <laughs> I know, I know. And I think half the world, well, 95% of the world does caffeine. So I'll talk about it, even though I do consider it's not the best drug in the world. I, I but do know. <laughs> my, my, my other pharmacist friend, Mary, says, it's a drug, Marie. Caffeine is a drug. And she'd be standing there shaking her finger at me saying, it's a drug. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, we, do, we actually give caffeine, as you know, to little oh, tiny babies sure, in the sure. NICU. So it definitely is a drug in, in that sense as well. But as far as drinking your caffeine, taking your, your caffeine in a cup of coffee, it does have a long half-life. So, you know, you kind of want to look at how much and what volume of, of caffeine or what volume of coffee or soda or whatever you're choosing for your drinks. So you're um, telling me that I can't go down to Starbucks and have my venti and then 20 minutes later uh, slurp down another one. Well, you're not telling me I can't. You're telling me that that half-life, because of that long half-life, the effects of the caffeine pretty much build up. Is that a fair statement? They can, and so if you're drinking, you know, 10 cups or more a day, you're probably going to see your baby get a little jittery, maybe yes. fussy, have some poor, poor sleep habits. We're not saying you can't have any caffeine, but have it in moderation as with anything else. They usually say about five cups a day for a baby that's older than three months, I'm sorry, three weeks of age is probably fine. Um, it does have a high volume of distribution, caffeine does, so it's getting out there, it's getting in the tissue, and it's, it's, it's readily available to go into the breast milk. And, and I would uh, caution listeners to always look at those numbers carefully, because usually when the numbers come out about how many cups of coffee, they're talking about one of those little dinky cups. They're, exactly, they're talking venti, right. venti thingy that you get at, at right. the... They're talking yeah. about one of those cute little cups like my mother would have in her house that I consider a teacup. They're about six ounces. Correct. And so, you know, to me, that's two slurps. Mm -hmm. and, and those big cups that you get are anywhere from 12 to 16 ounces. So you might be talking to your one cup of coffee that we're saying. <laughs> might, right. Might be four in, in the cup that you just got up at the Starbucks Yes. And we've got about three minutes till break, a little less. Can you help me to look at the other side of the coin, which is alcohol, which typically has a very short half-life? Correct. And, and this is, we'll probably touch upon pump and dump later, but this is one of the classic places that you'll hear somebody say, well, drink, then go pump and dump. Yes. And yes. same with the, with the coffee. They'll say the same thing. Well, we're talking about two different beasts. So you can see why that um, advice is not a good overall piece of advice. But alcohol does not have a long, long half-life. So really, um, 
there's a lot of dependencies on that too because it's accepted pretty much the institute of medicine says it's okay for a average size woman which would be about a 130 pound woman to have two beers or eight ounces of wine a day presuming now, that, presuming that she ha- yeah presuming that she has a full term healthy baby etc cetera, etc cetera, and all is well in paradise correct uh, we're, mm-hmm. we're not talking about any other kind of of situation there so Anne, would it be advisable because i know some women will tell me you know marie i just really want to go back to having my glass of wine with my husband before i go to bed at night and i'm thinking okay the, the mother hasn't gone to bed the baby's six months old, the baby has gone to bed, is it reasonable to say that that alcohol is going to wear off before the baby wakes up to breastfeed anyway? Pretty reasonable to assume that, yes, especially yes. with a six-month-old baby that you're not expecting, you know, to even wake up and you're going to yes. sleep through the night. And and your point about assuming all is well in paradise, we should say, really applies to anything, anything we're going to talk, we'll talk about, about today. Yes, I, yeah. I would totally agree. And also, I think it's important to know that the Institute of Medicine gives some specific things. Uh, so anybody should look that up if for for real truth. But anyway, you've given us some good guidelines. I really appreciate all that you've talked about here. And I'm Marie Biancuzzo with Born to be Breastfed. Stay tuned. We're going to come back and talk about pump and dump. We'll take a short break. We'll be right back. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. New Angel manufactures environmentally friendly and hypoallergenic cotton products for breastfeeding mothers and their new angels. Feel the difference. Soft, absorbent, and breathable. Patented, patent-pending, and award-winning products designed by a certified lactation consultant. Look for New Angel biodegradable, disposable, and cotton-washable nursing pads, natural cotton products, and other unique items. Made by mothers for mothers in the USA. By N-U-A-N-G-E-L for your New Angel at www.newangel.com and www.amazon.com. The New Roo Pocket is a newborn carrier specifically designed for skin-to-skin contact, affording mom full coverage and hands-free mobility while giving and receiving all the physiological benefits of kangaroo care. Our unique fabric is super soft, breathable, moisture-wicking, and it offers just the right amount of compression fit to ensure proper position and continued support. Hospitals and NICUs are implementing the new Roo Pocket for inpatient use to increase time spent skin-to-skin, as well as help improve breastfeeding scores and infant safety. Learn more at NewRooBaby.com. That's N-U-R-O-O-Baby.com. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuzo, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you, too. 
Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Are you getting ready for your IBLCE exam? Do you want a time-saving review without having to travel? Marie Biancuso's new guided study review is the perfect resource for you. If you're wanting to listen on the go, get our premier package, which includes over 60 12-minute audio casts, a 400-page companion guide, and much more. Best of all, you'll get a live Q&A session with Marie via webinar. You'll walk into the exam confident you'll pass. Call today at 703-787-9894 or visit us at www.breastfeedingoutlook.com. That's breastfeedingoutlook.com. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. You are listening to Born to be Breastfed. I have with me on the phone Ann Davis, a pharmacist and IBCLC and truly, Anne is a woman extraordinaire. She has also breastfed her own twins, and we could have another whole conversation about that. But uh, <laughs> that's another show, and actually with another guest. So, Anne, thanks for helping us to understand a little bit about how all of that stuff works. Um, some years ago, Anne, you told me that familiar, and you alluded to it a minute ago, that pump and dump for 24 hours. I wish I had a nickel for every time I've heard that. In fact, I got an inquiry from somebody just last night. My doctor told me that I had, and I don't even remember what the substance was, but anyway, he told me to pump and dump. And I thought, oh, here we go again. And why do you think that that 24 hours pump and dump, you told me that, that one size fits all just doesn't make any sense. Can you help us to understand why it doesn't make any sense? Yes, absolutely. Well, for some of the things we discussed earlier about the drug and the half-life of the drug and things like that, that, that is a, a good reason, especially if we're talking about someone that's even taking a long-acting drug. So if you're taking um, a short-acting drug that you have to take three or four times a day, you know, that's a different way your body handles it than a long-acting drug, as well as just the excretion of those drugs with, with a long half-life. So Half-lives range all over the board from, you know, minutes to to days, as we discussed. So to just give one pat statement, though, oh, pump and dump for 24 hours after any drug that you take is just poor advice because we would not be able to apply that to every drug in the world. And I'm not Mm. even sure I'd want to just pick one one drug I'd even want to apply it to. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I mean, we'd have to talk about some really serious chemo drugs or that type of thing. But if we're just talking about your regular drugs that that most people are taking, there's very few of those that we're going to say you absolutely can't take. Right. 
but or that we're not going to find another option for, for you that's better for yes. it. So there's there's rarely in, instance that I would say, okay, go ahead and take that pump for 24 hours, dump all that milk, and you're good to go. Ah, there's that's too that's many a good perspective. To play into that. Sure, sure. Well, so here's another thing. It seems to me that any time I ever see any kind of substance, everything from Epsom salts as a foot soak to a eucalyptus stick for my stuffy nose to some big gun antibiotic, there are always these big dire warnings on the package insert saying that women must consult their physician before taking the drug if they're if they're breastfeeding. Okay, well, I'm okay with the asking the doctor, but one of two things happens here. Either she asks the doctor and he just says, no, you can't take the drug, or yes, you can take the drug, but you have to pump and dump. Or worse yet, he tells the woman to wean. Uh, we either, either have that scenario or, or we have the other scenario where the doctor says, sure, relax, it's fine, just take the drug. And then, then the woman says to me 400 times, she wants my reassurance that's really okay because the doctor says it's okay, but on the package insert it says to ask her doctor, so she's really pretty unglued about this. So can you help mothers to sort of unravel all this information that may seem contradictory and help them to understand why – why they are seemingly get a, getting a mixed message, but it's really not a mixed message? Sure. Well, first of all, one of the first things I did when I graduated from pharmacy school was take my um, PDR and throw it away. <laughs> you told me one time. <laughs> you said that's no good for any. Uh, th- I said, well, what is it good for? You said it's really good for sitting a toddler at, at the kitchen table to prop them up. <laughs> Absolutely, because we really don't have phone books anymore, right. so we can use those. <laughs> But, you know, in, in honesty, it's full of great information, except it has to be used properly. properly. What, what is contained in the PDR are the manufacturer's package inserts, and those package inserts are required information step-by-step, step, even section-by-section, section, that the FDA or the Food and Drug Administration requires a manufacturer to provide on any drug that is approved in the United States. So... Within that package insert is tons of information. You know, it talks about absorption. It talks about half-life. It talks about how it's excreted, kidney, you know, liver, however all that happens. That's all great information of how it works in the mother. They are not required to, and they are required to do those studies. They are not, however, required by the FDA to do any studies on breastfeeding. Oh, Ian, excuse me. I was going to say how it really works in the person. It's really right. not about motherhood, right? Correct. Yes. No, no, no. I'm oh, okay. sorry. I yeah. don't want to mislead you. Yes. On, okay. On any person who takes <laughs> this drug, yes. Not yes. just a mother. Um, yes, I'm so concentrated on, on moms and breastfeeding today. But yes, Understood. for any person that takes it, that package insert is what is a reference. So a physician wants to know, okay, I have a patient with kidney disease. I need to look up and see how this drug is excreted. If it goes to the kidney 90%, I probably need to use a different drug. Sure. Or something like that. Something like that, that. That's great for that. Or what's the mechanism of action? What's a drug interaction? That kind of thing. But they are not required to provide any information about pregnancy and lactation. That They are not provided to do the studies. Now, they may have some information about it from other studies, but they are not required to. So if you just look at the package insert, it's going to say, warning, <laughs> do yes. not use. Yes. And that's what's often on the package. The, the ideal situation for a physician or whoever is a pharmacist, whoever's helping someone decide what the best drug is, is to refer to a 
really good source such as LactMed, which we've talked about, which um, is easily accessible. It's free. Um, you can get it on the Internet. There's an app on your phone. I have it on my phone. I yeah, have it on my iPad. Too. And it's toxnet.nlm.nih.gov. And you can just plug in any drug, and it tells you what what they know about this drug in, in breastfeeding. And it's based on studies. Yes. And, uh, and you... Uh, Yes, I'm a big fan of LactMed, and believe me, I have that uh, as an app on my phone, and that is my number one go-to resource. And I thought it was very interesting that the American Academy of Pediatrics, when they came out with their statement, I want to say like a few weeks ago, uh, they basically said, we are not going to talk a whole lot about medications because we want the person to go to LactMed. And for those of you who are listening, I'm saying LactMed, L-A-C-T-M-E-D. And I will make sure that I put on the website the uh, link for that. So you can go to my website and uh, hopefully then be able to just grab that URL for yourself. And you talked a minute ago, and I know this is a really complex subject, but it bothers me. Can you give us a little bit of a snapshot why they always talk about breastfeeding and pregnancy, pregnancy and breastfeeding, as though those two things were all in the same pot? And in yes, fact, it, drives me crazy. it just drives me nuts. <laughs> so can you help mothers to understand why something, that, a drug that might not have been safe for them to take during pregnancy might indeed be safe for them to take during uh, while they're lactating and with, of course, the permission from their doctor, their pharmacist, their midwife, whoever, but understanding that that person is not talking out of both sides of their mouth, that the drug, it's like a different environment. Can, Correct. Can you help with that? Yeah, and, and I think what you're saying right there, different environments or different conditions, it's the same as we would say, well... I would treat um, all patients with a liver disease like this, and I would treat all patients with kidney kidney disease the same way. Ah. That doesn't even make good sense Sense. because they're two different organs of your body. Ah. So it's Ah. kind of the same thing with pregnancy and lactation. Those are two different medical conditions, you might say. Pregnancy is a condition. You have a baby growing inside of you the way that that baby is is receiving medications that you take is completely different than the mom swallowing it, having it to go through her stomach possibly or being absorbed, and then the baby having to swallow the breast milk. And it it could be a drug that the baby doesn't even have any um, absorption of, Uh, you know, because of the type of drug, the baby's gut might break it down to where it's not even absorbed by the baby at all. You just totally made this, like, make a lot of sense for me. All of a sudden, when you said a different organ, having worked many years in labor and delivery, I'm thinking it really is a different organ. Because when, when the baby is in utero, the organ, if you will, is the placenta and the umbilical cord. Correct. And when the baby is breastfeeding, the organ is the breast, the mammary gland. And right. so you are talking about two different organs. And wow, Ian, I have to say that in all of the years that you and I have chatted about these things, I, it just never really crystallized for me in a way that I might be able. Thanks, Ann. That was really good. Next time that good. I t- <laughs> <laughs> I've got my comprehensive course that I need to teach coming up in a couple of weeks and my review course 
thereafter. And I always really have a hard time getting that through people's heads. And I think what you've just done for me here is to help me to understand that, that it's that environment. They are two different organs. And Dr. Ruth Lawrence always used to tell me the breast is not a sieve. Right. And yet somehow that kind of gets lost in all of the translation. And we hear so many times those ads on TV or the circulars that we read, and it always it always lumps pregnancy and breastfeeding together as though those two things were the same. And, and you know, they, they just aren't. This is they are s- not. And I like to say to people, when you swallow that pill, don't expect that that pill is going to pop out of the end of your nipple and go straight into the baby either. <laughs> I <laughs> it love it. It works that way. <laughs> it will not pop out of the end of your oh, That's great. No. Truly, truly. Well, this has been so enlightening as we've been able to talk about some of those things. When we come back, we'll be talking about over-the-counter medications, and we'll be back after this short break. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Are you getting ready for your IBLCE exam? Do you want a time saving review without having to travel? Marie Biancuso's new guided study review is the perfect resource for you. If you're wanting to listen on the go, get our premier package, which includes over 60 12 minute audio casts a 400-page companion guide, and much more. Best of all, you'll get a live Q&A session with Marie via webinar. You'll walk into the exam confident you'll pass. Call today at 703-787-9894 or visit us at www.breastfeedingoutlook.com. That's breastfeedingoutlook.com. New Angel manufactures environmentally friendly and hypoallergenic cotton products for breastfeeding mothers and their new angels. Feel the difference. Soft, absorbent, and breathable. Patented, patent-pending, and award-winning products designed by a certified lactation consultant. Look for New Angel biodegradable, disposable, and cotton washable nursing pads, natural cotton products, and other unique items. Made by mothers for mothers in the USA. Buy N-U-A-N-G-E-L for your New Angel at www.newangel.com and www.amazon.com. The Nuru Pocket is a newborn carrier specifically designed for skin-to-skin contact, affording mom full coverage and hands-free mobility while giving and receiving all the physiological benefits of kangaroo care. Our unique fabric is super soft, breathable, moisture-wicking, and it offers just the right amount of compression fit to ensure proper position and continued support. Hospitals and NICUs are implementing the new Roo Pocket for inpatient use to increase time spent skin-to-skin, as well as help improve breastfeeding scores and infant safety. Learn more at NewRooBaby.com. That's N-U-R-O-O-Baby.com. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Born to be Breastfed. I'm Marie Biancuto. I have with me Ann Davis. And Ann just gave us a wonderful explanation of how talking about breastfeeding and pregnancy are really two different things. This gives me the opportunity to move on to over-the-counter medications. Cough and cold remedies. I'd like to bring up that because, Ann, you and I have talked so many times about all the cough and cold remedies that are out on the market today. Certainly, breastfeeding mothers get coughs and colds, and, and they do want relief from those symptoms. So, so what's the scoop? How can cough and cold remedy? How many cough and cold remedies are there out there? Do you have any idea? And there's a gajillion. A gajillion. Okay. A gajillion. <laughs> and you know, if you walk down your pharmacy aisle, you will see a gajillion cough and cold yes. remedies. And what I always say about those are, they really contain about six ingredients, mix and matched. You wow. know, and there's not that many decongestant choices. There's not that many antihistamine choices. There's not many that many cough suppressants or expectorants. So let's kind of break that down um, specifically. So when you're looking at a product that you need for cough and cold, my advice to the mom is I want to know what your symptoms are. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, you you pick one off the shelf, it's multi-symptom, multi-product, multi-everything. It's going to cure everything you ever thought you had. (laughs) But you really only want to pick... A, a product with a few ingredients, and, and all my life as a pharmacist, whether breastfeeding or not breastfeeding or whatever, to anyone I talk to, I always say, I would rather see you buy three products really, and, and mix them together if you need all three rather than a multi-product, because you may need a decongestant today, but you may not need it tomorrow, yes. but you may need the antihistamine part of it. So I kind of try to really bake it, break it down to the basics. So let's talk about decongestants just a little bit, because that's one that... Yes. Um, I and, think and comes up a lot. Help us to understand the difference between a decongestant and antihistamine. I, I figured you were okay. going there, but but leave, leave no stone unturned here. I, I probably wouldn't <clears throat> have because I kind of assumed that, so I'm glad you asked. <laughs> decongestants clear the gunk, the junk, all the stuff that's stuffed up in your head. Okay. So if you have that sinus pressure, you feel like, oh my gosh, my head is just throbbing. It's possible that that's what you need as a decongestant. Probably also need something like a pain reliever, too, and that's another thing when we're talking about cough and cold is uh, mm-hmm. some of it is just symptomatic relief, such as pain relief, which is a whole other subject of you know ibuprofen or acetaminophen. Yes. But for decongestants, there's a couple of products out there. The, um, I will name a, a brand name, Sudafed, because that's probably the most well-known one. Yes. And Sudafed that has um, pseudoephedrine in it, is the one that you have to sign for and give them your driver's license and, you know, you can only buy a certain amount because it's restricted by the government due to um, the problems we've had with uh, people cooking cooking things out of Sudafed. So mm-hmm. okay. as a result, that's the one that um, you have to sign for and it can, contains Sudafedrin, like I said. But it's also a very effective decongestant. It's yes. a vasoconstrictor. So it's considered pretty unlikely to harm, cause any harm in, in the baby because small amounts are found, found in the breast milk. You will see occasional irritability in, a, in about 20% of kids. Might decrease your milk production, 
Yes. So mm-hmm. if you're looking at that, maybe you don't want to swallow something. Maybe all you really need is a decongestant like Afrin, which is oxymetazolone, nasal spray. And you can use that for three days. One of my pet peeves as a pharmacist, please, please read the instructions yes. and only use it three days because you can have rebound congestion from that if you don't follow that rule. My nephew and, told me that one time he'd taken it for like seven days or something. And I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, you cannot, you cannot do that. You'll have a big mess on your hands. But so that way you're really getting no systemic ab- absorption of it. It's just working locally on all that gunk in your head. So, that's usually where I, I would recommend a patient start was to use the afro-nasal spray for three days and see if that, that helps them. And I, I, I trapped you into saying that, but actually I know that the other thing that you usually talk to people about is things like, how about a vaporizer? How about a saline rinse? A saline rinse. How about a saltwater gargle? Right. Right. That's motion nasal spray. Exactly. And I hate to say <laughs> brand names, but that's kind of what people are familiar with. But sure. it, it does, um, it does lend itself to a lot of different options besides just popping a pill. When you were you're t- right. When you were talking about uh, a decongestant, I was thinking that I, I sort of knew the part about the destroy your driver's license and all that, but honestly, I have not bought a decongestant in so many years that I have actually not had to show my driver's license. Ah. And it's because I use a nasal rinse. And that has given me just so much relief. I, I literally, years now, I have gotten a daily relief just by using a nasal rinse, which, of course, yes. was at Ann Davis's recommendation. But anyway. <laughs> well, thank you for following my recommendation. So, <laughs> and finding it to be very effective. Yes, it really, it is. really is. And you know what I think people don't realize about that is that rinses out all those allergens that you're yes. breathing in all day and all that junk you're walking around because your you're, you're nasal cavity here is a filter. It's trying to prevent that stuff from getting up into your body, but it can only work so much. So if it's kind of stuck up there and in there and you rinse it all out, it doesn't get absorbed. So I'm a big advocate of that. And it's amazing what what you can rinse out of your head with that. Oh, absolutely. So talk to us about an antihistamine then, which is different from a a decongestant and may or may not be in one of those combination products, which is why you're trying to discourage the combination products. But talk to us a little bit about antihistamines. Okay, and I'll tell you how antihistamines work. They um, are trying to stop the release of histamine, makes sense, in your body, which is caused by allergens. And so what the histamines cause your body to do is release mucus and, and get a runny nose and all that kind of stuff and cause itchy eyes and, and all that swelling around your eyes and nose and all that. So antihistamines are basically drying agents. They're trying to kind of dry up all those secretion that your body is trying to send out as a re- result of the allergen. So, again, there's um, so many over-the-counter antihistamines now. They used to be all prescription, but we have a lot of non-drowsy antihistamines over-the-counter. We have Claritin, which is Loratadine. We have Zyrtec, which is Cetirizine. Um, Probably Claritin is a little bit more preferred in breastfeeding moms. It has a low milk level. It's a non-drowsy formula as well, so mom's not going to get drowsy. You're not going to expect the baby to get drowsy. Zyrtec causes more drowsiness in, in adults anyway. So probably you would expect that um, if it passes enough in there that you might see that in a baby. And then the oldie but goodie is Benadryl. Oh, yes. Oh, and yes. it's not used mm-hmm. as much as it used to be, except that Benadryl is probably the best 
thing to use when you're having hives or some sort of um, truly topical allergic reaction. There's not much better than good old diphenhydramine or Benadryl to, to treat that. So it's probably okay to use in the short term. Um, you might want to try the other things first, first try Claritin, okay. see if that helps your hives. If you have to use Benadryl, you could, you could do so with, um, you know, again, all these things you would want to discuss with your doctor. This is just for my general pharmacist recommendation when talking to patients. So those are kind of your main antihistamines that you're going to see. There's chlorpheniramine, which is an old drug. That's chlortrimeton. I don't even really see that much used. In, in, in the world. So those are kind of your antihistamine decongestant combinations that you'll see. And then they start throwing in other things with them, which might be a pain reliever. It yes. might be a cough suppressant, something like dextromethorphan, um, which you'll see in products such as Robitussin DM, which is a combination of an expectorant and a cough suppressant. So it has guafenicin as the expectorant and dextromethorphan as the cough suppressant, or mucinex DM, which is, oh, yes. again, the combination that you'll see. And um, I know so often, Anne, you have told me about guaifenesin. You've said, drink, 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 water, water, water. Mm-hmm. And, and really, water, drinking a ton of water is just about as effective as guaifenesin. It's not as easy, you know, we sure. all want the simple pop a pill um, we're better in, in two hours kind of thing. But really, water thins and loosens all that mus- mucus and moves it out better than an expectorant can even do so. So, again, we want to look at the alternatives rather than always just going to a product to solve all our problems. We have cough drops, there's throat sprays, there's lozenges, again, which are not going to have that systemic absorption that you're going to see with some of these other things. And one of the things I have always respected about you uh, is that even though you obviously went into the um, <clears throat> profession of being a pharmacist, you really don't believe that pills or or pharmaceutical preparations are the be-all and end-all. You've always been really, really good about looking at what other kinds of things are there that will do the job as well, possibly better. And we've only got about two minutes, and I would like you to at least quickly tell us what are maybe one or two uh, items that women might take for upset stomach or any of heartburn, any of that kind of thing. Uh, what would be maybe the one or two most common things, and what would be your comments about those? Okay, well, now that you've told my secret about how I really feel about drugs, I'm going to have to (laughs) keep going here. But, well, most often I think you see things like Prilosec because that's so well-known over the counter. And and they really think, you know, for the short term, 20 milligrams per day, that's probably not an issue. Um, You see that a lot. For breastfeeding. For breastfeeding. For breastfeeding moms, Uh right. Zantac is another... Another drug you see over the counter, ranitidine, um, and we give ranitidine to newborns for reflux and that type of thing. So those are kind of your two common GI drugs, and we could get deeper than that, but I'm not sure we have time. Right. Uh, I think that it's been really helpful to just look at uh, these things as, for instance, you mentioned the... um, uh, the one that you said, and we give that to babies. And it's Fantac. The, yeah, okay. The the thing I was thinking here is, and as a general rule, as a general rule, not to say that we're giving medical advice here, but as a general rule, if it's something that's safe for the baby, then it's probably safe for the mother who is breastfeeding a baby. Correct. Yes. Same as with the Mipramazole or Prilosec. We give that to babies with bad reflex, too. But, yeah, that's a very good point. If if we're going to give it to the baby in some form, form. it's yes. most likely fine to go to the mom. Because we're kind of looking at the amount of dose yes. that 
gets to the baby from the mom. Because indeed, when the mother takes that, it does not come out through the nipple. <laughs> right. And, and the, the baby would have gotten a bigger dose of that if it was a pediatric dose. Would that be a reasonable thing? Uh, in some cases, yeah. Yes. In some cases, yes. Okay. Well, this has been really, really helpful. I'm Marie Biancuzzo with Born to be Breastfed. I have with me pharmacist and IBCLC, Ann Davis. We will be back after this short break. Your life, your health, your network. Voice America Health & Wellness. Are you getting ready for your IBLCE exam? Do you want a time-saving review without having to travel? Marie Biancuso's new guided study review is the perfect resource for you. If you're wanting to listen on the go, get our premier package, which includes over 60 12-minute audio casts, a 400-page companion guide, and much more. Best of all, you'll get a live Q&A session with Marie via webinar. You'll walk into the exam confident you'll pass. Call today at 703-787-9894 or visit us at www.breastfeedingoutlook.com. That's breastfeedingoutlook.com. New Angel manufactures environmentally friendly and hypoallergenic cotton products for breastfeeding mothers and their new angels. Feel the difference. Soft, absorbent, and breathable. Patented, patent-pending, and award-winning products designed by a certified lactation consultant. Look for New Angel biodegradable, disposable, and cotton washable nursing pads, natural cotton products, and other unique items. Made by mothers for mothers in the USA. By N-U-A-N-G-E-L for your new angel at www.newangel.com and www.amazon.com. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Born to be Breastfed with Marie Biancuto. In this segment, I'd really like to talk about topical medications. It always seems like there are a ton of products out there, antibiotic ointments for minor wounds, treatment for bee bites, you name it, pretty much we can uh, buy it. Can you name a couple of things that you think would be topical medications, that is, things that we would put on our skin? Uh, the, the mother who was, let's face it, most mothers who are breastfeeding are healthy, they're young. So what would they be most likely to be using, and what comments can you make about those drugs, good, bad, indifferent, whatever? Okay. Well, I think commonly you might see someone using something like a hydrocortisone cream that they've, you know, gotten into some poison ivy or they have an itch or, or a little rash or something like that. Again, used in small areas, you're not expecting very much absorption because it's, it's topical. We're trying to just te- treat the dermis, the layer of skin right there that's being affected. Um, antibiotic ointments, there's several different cotton kinds out there, same thing. You're just trying to treat that very small particular area. When you get worried about systemic absorption is when you're covering a really large area, which would be an unusual situation. Hmm. Okay. Um, how about things, now I know this is not exactly topical, 
but things, for instance, like lozenges. I just got a question about that the other night from a young woman. How, like a throat lozenge? Yeah. I, I, I know we're sort of back to cough and cold, but I was thinking uh, other things that mothers might reasonably take. Because, see, when I think about a lozenge, I just sort of pop it in my mouth and I don't really think of it as being a drug. But it is. It, it's certainly got those those drug properties, right? It does, but again, you're, the point of a lozenge is it's trying to be absorbed in the, the site that you're putting it in. So you're trying to help a sore throat. So it's, it's designed to be absorbed right there and not be a systemic absorption, same as like the chloroseptic throat sprays. You're oh, not uh-huh. going to get a lot of systemic absorption. You're just trying to treat that area. So what if it was a prescription cream that you were putting on your uh, I don't know, your psoriasis or something. How, how do those things work? Can you give us a little insight? And that's a good example because psoriasis, you might be using a, a very strong um, steroid ah, drug. And okay. depending on the extent of the psoriasis, you oh, know, you, uh-huh. you might worry about how much systemic absorption. You're worrying about the mom at that point as well, sure. of course. So, I mean, those are really individual cases you'd want to look at and, and discuss with your, your doctor. But you wouldn't, and you want to be careful about, you know, putting those creams on and holding your baby immediately before oh. they've had time to absorb. Same as if you put a cream on your breast, you don't want to, um, you would want to wipe it off before, if it had not absorbed. Ian, talk about that for just a minute. I remember that when I was writing my book, you and I had multiple conversations about the washing things off the breast. And now, I'm not real big on putting ointments and goop on breasts anyway, but uh, I mean, sometimes they really are necessary. Is there any sort of, I don't want to say rule, but any sort of guidance on something that is uh, therapeutic, the mother puts it on her breast, is there anything that always has to be washed off or something that probably never needs to be washed off? Any guidance on that? Well, ointments are something you worry about a little bit more because they're usually made with some sort of mineral paraffin. You really don't want the baby to be swallowing that that base that the drug is in. That's not something you would want them to have. So you would want to use something that's more of a water-soluble cream. So if you were using some goopy kind of ointment thing, you might want to wipe that off. But ideally, anything you're putting on, you're wanting it to be absorbed into that tissue. Right. So if you can right. time it right, you know, you're not really wanting to wipe it off necessarily because it's hopefully been absorbed by that point. So could you address, for example, something, man, we get this question so often, is something that you would be using, for example, for a yeast infection on your breast? Mm, something like Nystatin. Yes, like Nystatin yeah. would be the one. That, uh, um, again, I'm sorry to use brand names, but I know that mothers would not probably be familiar or relate to it if we used all the generics here. Right. Um, well, and that a lot of times, you know, they will tell you to use the, you know, the liquid you can put on there, and, and, and we would give the baby that liquid. And a Nystatin cream as well, it's a water-based cream. You're expecting it to be absorbed into there, so you would not have to wipe that off. Mm-hmm. Okay. That seems to make sense. Yeah. In the time that we have remaining, is there any one or two drugs that you would just say just always, you just always want to get a, you want to make sure that every mother knows X on whatever? Anything that comes to your mind? Well, I mean, if you're going to have some sort of oncology treatment or anything like that, you're definitely going to have to have some major discussions about um, the use of that. 
If you're talking about really threatening type of drugs. Was that your question, Marie? Um, possibly, yes. I okay. was uh, Very possibly, yes. Uh, and actually what you just said brought me to another question, which is always something that Dr. Ruth Lawrence always helped me to understand was about risk-benefit. Correct. Uh, there are things where the mother, for one reason or another, can't go without the treatment or can't delay the treatment or whatever. And so is it fair to say that mothers really need to have a discussion with their doctor, their pharmacist, their neonatologist, their midwife, their whoever, about risk-benefit as it relates to breastfeeding the baby and taking the med herself? That is correct, because we would not want anyone to be making a decision without considering the health of both the mother and the baby in any kind of drug decision. Yes. Because there's a, if the risk to the baby is greater than the risk to the mom, or if the risk to the mom to not take to the drug is worse than the risk to the baby, I mean, all those things have to be considered and should be discussed. Yes. And so I think that that's one of the reasons why when people want a recipe or they want me as a nurse to give that information, I basically say, look it, I'm not qualified to give that that uh, information or make that decision. It really needs to be something that is discussed in terms of a risk-benefit ratio, in terms of informed consent. And usually when I talk to mothers and even when I'm talking to professionals, I say, remember that informed consent is that those four points – What's the indication? What are you taking that for? What are the benefits of that treatment? What are the risks of that treatment? And what are the possible alternatives? And I know that earlier today we talked about sometimes sometimes the alternative is something as simple as put the vaporizer on or right. those kinds of things. And so I think that really for women to be in control, I hate to use the word control, but empowered to make those decisions, they need to make sure that before they put any kind of drug into their body, that they know the indications, what's it being used for, what are the benefits, what are the risks, what are the alternatives, and to have that Mm -hmm. very open and informed discussion. That's correct. Yes. And Um, I kind of roll that all into one question. Sure. And I'll say, do you need the drug? I mean, yes. It's kind of a simple question. Do you need Do you the really drug? need this? Yes. Right. Yes. And, and if the answer is yes, I really need the drug, okay, then let's go down the next step. But first question is, do you really need it? Is your head really that, that bad? Yes. You know, I mean, all those questions and, and, and not, you know, each person's answer may be different, different. as we know. Yes. So that's, that's a good starting point to say, okay, let's just decide. This has been so helpful. I've really enjoyed talking with you, as I always do. All of our listeners should know that everything that we've discussed here does not constitute medical advice. That's all the time we have today. I'd like to thank pharmacist and IBCLC Ann Davis for being with us today, and I'd especially like to thank you for listening to Born to be Breastfed. I'm Marie Biancuzzo. I promise I'll help you to cut through the myths Clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuzo next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby.
Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuso next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby. 